All you have to do is scythe. Forget about family. Forget about friends. Forget about love. the writer for as long as you live i'm not doing it you have no choice story goes that he'll be normal during the day but at night in the presence of evil the writer takes over Welcome to Movie Smash! Welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that looks at conflict movies that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person who enjoys talking about hidden gems, likes to tear apart old movies, or trying to find something new, this is the place for you. And with that, let's get started with today. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Roberts, I'm the founder of Off Panel Creations, a place where we help you fuse your nerd culture with furniture. If it's a comic book cabinet or a board game table, that's what we spend our time doing is bringing those visions to life. With me today, I got Jeremy Parmentier. Uh, hi, I'm Jeremy Parmentier of Retrovaniacs Podcast, but also a comic book fan and a movie fan. So it, it kind of fits right into my niche. And we got Fergal. What's up, y'all? It's your prodigious proprietor, Fergal Amal of Gotham Night Comics, located in Livonia, Michigan, where we get our nerd on. Excited to be here, as always, and talk movies. Not only do I love them, but I love the stories behind them, too. So why don't we just jump into this, guys? Before, I know we, we probably have watched this movie a couple times but, you know, the past week or so, but before you saw it this recent time, what, how familiar were you with, were, were you with this? Uh, with Ghost Rider himself, I, I was familiar with Ghost Rider. As, as a kid, I, uh, I was a fan of, of comic books, but Ghost Rider was like my brother's comic. He, he liked to read like the more you know, grimdark kind of characters, so Punisher and Ghost Rider, and even, I don't know, I don't consider him dark, but for at the time I did, Silver Surfer, things like that, where I was reading, you know, Avengers, like pretty much the, the standard superhero comic book. So I, I wasn't a, I knew Ghost Rider, but I always thought of him as like too edgy. Didn't, wasn't a big fan. So I wasn't excited about this movie when it came out at the time. Also, and even though in 2023, I can't believe I'm saying these words, but I was like, oh, Nick Cage, well, I don't want to watch that. He's boring. Nick Cage is the most interesting person on the planet for watching a movie. But for some reason, when this came out originally, I did not have that in mind. So uh, I'm excited to go into it now, uh, knowing that I probably should have liked this before and didn't give it a chance. I love that explanation. <laughs> I just want to stop and comment on that. Jeremy, that was great. Um, I have been a fan of Ghost Rider since the comics. Um, it is one of the darker stories. Um, it's, it's actually a really cool story. There have been a lineage of Ghost Riders going back since prehistoric times. Um, the Spirit of Vengeance. And so it's just a it was great seeing it come to come to life. Um, I love Nick Cage since face off. I guess I'm one of those weird guys that thought that John Woo movie was amazing. Um, so you know, being able to see him in Ghost Rider, I'll, I'll go see anything that's got Nick Cage in it just once just to say I did um, and it was a good movie I wasn't disappointed it was it's been a great movie it stands the test of time I think yeah so for me and I feel like I say this every single time I really didn't know much about Ghost Rider as a character before this movie back back then when it first came out um, but I knew Nick Cage right and I knew unlike you Jeremy whatever Nick Cage was in I did have to go see not because it's going to be a good movie but it's going to be it's going to be a Nick Cage movie if that makes any sense yeah no um 
because he that that man knows how to tear a scene apart. <laughs> um, yes, so he does. Me, since leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. So for me, it was all about I'm gonna go watch a funny Nick Cage movie where he's gonna be Nick Cage and see what happens around him. Um, not quite like a Jim Carrey kind of thing, but more like you know he's gonna be weird in some odd, strange way, and that's gonna be fun, right? Um, but for the actual character of Ghost Rider. No, I all I knew was it's a flaming skull on a bike, right? That's about it. But do you guys remember when? Do you guys see this in theaters, or did you guys like see it on DVD years later? Oh, it's not in theaters. I, you know, it was two thousand seven, the year before my son was born. I was living the high life with my wife. I remember those days, full nights of sleeps and hanging out. Um, no, so yeah, we definitely saw it in the theaters, and actually, I think we bought the movie afterwards. No, this was my first time seeing it. Um, I watched it twice uh, because the first time I was kind of half paying attention while I was working. And about halfway through, I was like, I really need to pay more attention to this film. This is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of giving away some of my, my uh, thoughts early on, but this was better than I expected. Now, does that mean it's good or bad? I guess you'll have to listen to find out, but it's better than I expected. Yeah, I'd say unlike Electra, you did have to pay attention to this. Electra, you could have playing in the background, come back to it later and still be all caught up. But this, yeah, you're right. You had to pay attention because it's like three different kind of movies in one. Agreed. So, I think this movie has so many different plot points to it, and there's a lot of interesting stories, and there's more than one Ghost Rider. Yeah, which they, they definitely jumped. Now, for this movie, guys, did you guys watch the director's cut or the original? The original. I'm assuming it's the original, so whatever's on Tubi right now. Yeah, I think that's the original because I was actually trying to watch it on Tubi, and then it fell off Tubi halfway through me watching it. So I had to go out and actually go find a copy of this thing. And uh, I had to pick up the director's cut. Do you know if there's a big difference in the two cuts? I mean, I know like um, sometimes it's like, oh, there's an extra minute of footage. Or, oh, we, we added this one scene is longer. But uh, I think know. it's like 10 to 15 minutes more. Oh, that's um, pretty sizable. Of footage in the movie? Oh, I'll have to go pick up this cut. And, um, and I've done some research. We'll get into that a little bit later about the differences between the two. But there are some significant differences that clear up a lot of questions. And I think it's going to come through with us talking about this movie. Because I think it answers a lot of questions. But at the same time, they really know how to reuse footage. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so for those of you who are not familiar with this movie, why don't we, just a quick synopsis. Um, the movie's about a character named Johnny Blaze. And, um, and his father, Barton Blaze, has cancer. Um, and he decides to take a pack of the devil, or Mephesto in this case. And the, the, the trade-off is he's going to give his soul up for his father to live. But at the end of the day, he's the devil. And he cures his cancer, but he gets killed in the same day, right? So now Johnny's given up his soul, and he has to leave the carny life um, and his girlfriend behind um, because of this deal with the devil. And we follow Johnny's life um, after that, years after that, learning, and as he discovers what this curse really brings upon him. That really sums it up, my friend. It sums it up without explaining why it's called Ghost Rider. I mean, it, it is it is truly. I mean, we're not spoiling anything to say that that because you'll see it on the box of the movie or the poster, depending on what you're looking at. That part of the curse of of selling your soul to the devil is you, at some point, become this kind of uh, monster with a giant flaming skull for a head and with a, a flaming bike. I mean, a pretty. He's the comic book character. He's the Ghost Rider. If, I, I can't imagine one person would see this movie without at least knowing who the Ghost Rider was ahead of time, at least a picture of him, right? So, oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's 100%. that's a great summary of the movie without explaining, uh, without without ruining it. But you know, we might have forgotten to mention the Ghost Rider part. That's, that's true. It is a a flaming skull and a no on a bike. Um, 
Well, I think like Fantastic Four and like some of the iconic characters, Ghost Rider's been around for so long. So, I mean, his comic backgrounds go back into the 60s. So he's been he's been out there for a while. And so there's a lot of different stories about Ghost Rider. So it's funny you bring up the Fantastic Four, right? Um, because there's a connection between Ghost Rider and Fan- I know we're going off topic with this, but this is one of those little weird facts you pick up listening to the commentary. So... I'm gonna ask you this, Fergal. Fergal, what is the name of the four, the fourth um, of the Fantastic Four that's on fire? What's that character's name again? Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm. But what's and so you got a guy who lights on fire, burns things, yes. right? And his name is Johnny Storm. What's the what's the character's name on uh, Ghost Rider? Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. So do you know? <laughs> so. The story goes when they brought Ghost Rider to Stan Lee and said, hey, we've got this idea. Here's our character. Stan Lee said, make his head on fire. And I think his alter ego needs to be, you know, Johnny Blaze. Right. And they're saying, you just made up another character who's got a name Johnny who's on fire. So Stan Lee's creativity is very narrow, I guess, <laughs> when it comes to naming some of these guys. Um that's, you know, it's interesting. It's awesome to have that background inference. And that's part of what I think makes these stories so interesting is how they create them, how they pick up steam and how they end up becoming movies like Ghost Rider. When it comes to characters, there's really the main character, Johnny, right? Um, his girlfriend uh, was her name. Roxanne, I believe. Um, Sam. And then his crew. Right. Um, and that's really about the well, Mephesto, I guess, are the main characters in this. Um, but the enemy is the son of Mephesto, the son of the devil, right? Um, Blackheart. As our regional expert in this, um, yeah. what, <laughs> Mephesto isn't the devil, right? He's one of the devil's minions. Is that right? Yeah, he's actually he's actually one of the, he's the high prince of hell. Yeah, so Mephesto or Mephistoles, as he is in this movie, is a high prince of hell. So he's got the power to control the spirit of vengeance, control some of the armies. He's a major demon, though. So he's he's like, you know, if, if, if there were a CEO, he'd be the COO. So he, would, he wouldn't necessarily be at the top, but he'd be pretty darn close. One of the things I noticed in this movie, though, it felt like... Like I mentioned, we mentioned earlier that I was saying it's kind of like it felt like three movies all smashed into one. Um, uh-huh. And it, this might be just because I watched a director's cut, but it felt like it started off as a Western, not just because of the um, the prelude at the beginning about where it started from, but it felt like a Western and Johnny's living that Western. Then it breaks into that whole sci-fi comic book and you really get towards by the end, very comic booky. Um But I think it then yeah. rotates back around to that Western feel. I think it, it kind of holds that Western feel. Uh, through through parts of the movie, the beginning and then towards the end again, you hits the western again. It really gave us a nice background for those who haven't seen Ghost Rider. The greatest part about this movie is telling the story of the Ghost Rider, knowing that it wasn't just one person, it isn't just one curse. It's one that has actually been the greatest weapon in like for hell for eons for a long time. And in this movie, all the way back into that western feel. Like I, said, I watched the director's cut. How long was that intro for you? Because it felt like for me, I was watching two. What's the word I'm looking for? Two prequel, two uh, prologues, and for them for the movie, well, I had a nice long western section, then a very nice long young Johnny uh, Johnny Blaze section, and finally into the movie. I think we were like twenty odd minutes before I finally got to see the Nick Cage Johnny Blaze. 
No. Okay, so what, we didn't get that much in the... the uh, this movie probably had 10 minutes before you got Nick Cage, adult Johnny Blaze. Uh, might be <clears throat> slightly off on that, but it well, definitely wasn't 25 minutes. I want to say within the first half an hour, you're finally introduced to the Ghost Rider himself. 100%. I agree with you 100%. I think the first I think the first half hour gives us the first 10 minutes maybe gives us 15, gives us the background, gives us the contract, gives us the story, the deal, and then after that it sort of like kind of blurs through until we have adult Johnny Blaze doing impossible stunts. Yeah, cuz I was watching this with my daughter. Um she even commented on the fact that when it changed over from what I would call the, the second um prologue we're actually to current day Johnny Blaze. She was she was so confused that the actress had changed on her. Um, I guess that's that's really different. One of the, the differences between the director's cut and the theatrical was that they really extended out the, the those two prologues. And, and that I, probably gave you a lot more explanation about who they were and the deal, and then how they transitioned through. Oh yeah, and there was no there there was no hidden factor. You know, it being confusing and all about the I guess the, the caretaker who he really was, right? That was, is pretty obvious from, from the first moment of that movie. Um, oh, with the director's cut? Go. What's that? With the director's cut, it was very clear? Oh, super clear. I mean, I, I kind of assumed it, but I don't think it was really spelled out very well. I mean, it was supposed to be. It was, it was not uh, given to you um, unless you knew enough about the comics and stuff to, to know, oh, that's who that probably is. But otherwise, I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't sure if it was like, oh, this is, this is like a servant that's always around for wherever, wherever the spirit of vengeance is. Or, or is it, you know, an actual previous ghostwriter? Or, or what's the situation with the caretaker? So I didn't think it was as clear in the, um, in the director's cut based on just in what the movie told you. Again, if you read the comics, you kind of knew what was going on. But One thing I did want to talk about a little bit was we always like to talk about with superhero movies is the special effects, right? Because sometimes yeah. with age, CGI does, does not work. How did you guys feel about the CGI in this movie? The, the Ghost Rider himself, I think, could have been a little bit better from the flaming mass side. I think that was a little too clean. And I think the, the perfection that comes from CGI is when they add the imperfection in CGI. But I thought the bad guys were great. I thought Blackheart was great. I thought Metaphestiles was great. I thought some of that blending, especially some of that blending, was phenomenal, showing who was underneath the human skin. Um, but I, again, to me, you know, I thought the bike was kicked butt. I thought all of it was amazing. But I thought the Ghost Rider's face could have been a little bit better. Yeah, you're 100% accurate. I was going to, my only note was the Ghost Rider's head looks terrible, but the rest of the effects, the bike, the rest of Ghost Rider's outfit, the the weapons he has, all of it was not bad. And honestly, by it wasn't distractingly bad. It wasn't like a made for sci-fi TV movie level effect. It was still better than that, but you're right. It didn't have any imperfections. It looked too perfect for a skull. And then the, the flames themselves just didn't have any, I thought they were relatively lifeless uh, for, for flames. It uh, didn't look... It looked like a computer-generated flaming skull, as opposed to actually something on fire. That said, it 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 didn't bother me that much. It was just the first time it came out, I was kind of like, "Yeah, that's not a great effect." But it wasn't it wasn't like a game breaker. It didn't take me out of the movie. But the rest of the effects, I actually was pretty impressed with the the effects of Blackheart. Now, I do think, uh, and, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk a little more about Blackheart and his minions. I think Blackheart as a whole was a little unimpressive, knowing that in the comics he is such a larger. Uh, than life entity and in this movie it was just kind of like i'm a guy that also is evil like there, there was it wasn't at the same scale that i expected <laughs> but uh but but other than that that's not a problem with the effects though the effects on him that he did uh, especially towards the end looked really nice 
Well, that's actually what I wanted want to talk about next was the characters, right? Um, I was not, other than Ghost Rider and Mephesto from other comics, um, I really didn't know any of these people. Like, I didn't know how big Black well, they, they, was. They weren't comic-oriented. Abagor, the elements, they were not really comic-oriented. They were made for TV. Okay. So these were these were this was not the story of Van San Vaganza is very real, but and it's very comic oriented. But the creatures there are elementals, but not those. And so those were sort of made and I you know again sort of wasted characters really. I mean that's the problem with a character like Ghost Rider is that who do you put him against? Who he's against is Mephisto in this right? Uh, sort of right. He's kind of working for Blackheart against him, but Blackheart's the main. Yeah, one. I want to circle back. Blackheart's to the main one. But I did want to bring back to Mephisto for a second, only for the simple trivia fact of, of who played Mephisto, right? It's Peter Fonda. Peter Peter Fonda, uh, and what he was in, what he's famous for. I mean, he's in, he's been in a lot of easy things. Rider. Oh, okay. oh <laughs> easy. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I didn't even make that connection. I'm the dumbest person on this podcast. <laughs> Escape from L.A. Easy Rider. I mean, it just goes on and on. It does, but he was actually brought in. But going back to Nick Cage, Nick Cage requested Peter Fonda play that part because of that connection. A little trivia fact for you. That's awesome. Another commentary fact that comes from the director's cut. Yeah, like maybe that's <laughs> what it is. I mean, it's it's funny listening to about the director's cut and, and all this about, and it, it comes back to Nick Cage, right? How Nick Cage is Nick Cage. Um, and and Fergal being the comic book guy you are, maybe maybe you notice it, but there were some things that were added by Nick Cage to the character of Ghost Rider from this movie, um, that may or may not ever got back to the comics. But like, uh, did you notice he had a weird obsession watching movies or TV shows with monkeys in it? Yes, I did. That was a Nick Cage thing. I mean, that was a complete Nick Cage thing. The yeah, complete Nick say. Cage thing. That and the martini glasses full of Skittles. That I knew was a Nick Cage thing. I knew that was a Nick Cage thing. I mean, because that was that didn't feel like it belonged in the movie. That was just there. But the monkeys thing, no, that's a bit new for me. Why don't we talk a little about sort of the tone of the movie? We we, we sort of hinted at it, Western, and how do you guys feel about tonally? This movie came across. Does it fit like a Mar- Does it feel like a Marvel movie? The time it came out, no Marvel movie felt like a Marvel movie. I think that was the problem. I think you had a lot of Marvel movies that were hit or misses and no real tied stories. And if, you know, I think Marvel found its way when they tied the stories together. Now they've got to still find their way back to that again. But that's Marvel at its best is when they tie their stories somehow together, no matter how disparate they may be. And that brings the whole universe together. But as a movie, it was a good movie. I think as a Marvel movie, it was just like Blade. It was a movie that fitted in a certain place that did certain things and was good. The remake, they've, they've already announced the remake, and uh, Nick Cage is in that as well. He's actually the version of the caretaker in Johnny Blaze. Oh, see, that's super cool. I didn't even know that. That's that's awesome news. Yeah, that's actually... So, I mean, because, you know, with the Blade movie, with the Black Knight, with all of it, the whole next phase is about magic and supernatural. So, and the new Johnny Blaze is Danny Ketch. Okay, well, that that was uh, that's, that makes a lot of sense then, that they would go with the Danny Ketch version of Ghost Rider. Um, I think the tone of this actually matches more the early, uh, the early, like, official Marvel, the, the current Marvel line of movies, right? Starting with Iron Man. I think it fits more... Like the the earlier, uh, you know, Iron Man and, and the first Captain America, where it has, it's a good standalone movie. It's a good introduction to the character. I thought they actually did a really good amount of time explaining who Johnny Blaze was. And then also, why is he the Ghost Rider? Not just like he, 
you know, you get this little introduction at the beginning. It's five minutes. It explains how he got it. And all of a sudden, the you know, immediately you're watching Ghost Rider do his thing. It does a good job of explaining it while still keeping a good amount of the movie uh, that it is involved with Ghost Rider himself. So it was a good balance of the two. I'd say like like the current Marvel movies that are the, the kickoffs, not the, you know, Avengers level, you know, where they combine everything, but the ones that are solo. I think it actually meets that feel pretty well. It's dark, but my my biggest surprise, and I, I didn't get to mention this, you talked about Nick Cage being Nick Cage. I expected a much more over-the-top performance by Nick Cage. Instead, I honestly think he's pretty subdued here. He's a little weird, but he's a guy who sold his soul to the devil and now has a, you know, a flaming demon that comes out of him at times. So he's going to be a little off, but he's not completely over-the-top. Nick Cage goes over-the-top in a lot of stuff. And in this movie, he was actually pretty low-key. I think it worked really well. Um, I don't know if either of you watched the sequel to this. He does not do the same thing in the sequel. He's way more over the top. In this, I thought it was just the right amount of Nick Cage <laughs> to be to be an interesting weirdo, but not be just watching Nick Cage. Like, I actually felt like I was watching a Ghost Rider movie. So I, I think the tone of this was actually well met. It's dark enough, but it's not, uh, it's not just this super grim, dark, like... You know, it, it's not just Ghost Rider killing a bunch of people over and over again with a little bit of Johnny Blaze, you know, screaming in Tide until he becomes Ghost Rider. There, there's a lot of actual character building and honestly, some kind of funny parts with Johnny Blaze himself that worked out really well without being, you know, just a joke the whole time. Well, no, so I, I actually disagree on the Johnny Blaze, too. I thought that was more... Um, they they got the they got the ghostwriter right. He was definitely over the top. I actually thought they had Mephisto right in that one. I thought they had a good retelling of that. Where I think they went over the top is they went just way with some of the stuff he was on and some of the stuff he went crazy on. Yeah. And definitely could see the later years of Johnny Cage going like crazy, crazy. But I, you know, from a from a ghostwriter perspective, I thought that was dope like i thought the skull was phenomenal in ghost rider 2 oh yeah the, the effects of ghost rider 2 the, the ghost rider looked better i just meant specifically nick cage as as johnny blaze his his performance there mm -hmm. and again it's it's later in time he's a little more tortured he's got a lot more going on but the, like there are some scenes in the second one where he's transforming into ghost rider that are just pure nick cage acting up like a fool for five minutes and i i mean it's fine but that wasn't in this movie and i didn't necessarily miss it yeah, and don't spoil that one for me. And my director's cut came with a free copy of the second Ghost Rider, which I have not seen yet. So, yeah. <laughs> we will not spoil that movie for you. Well, it's funny though. You met, you mentioned about Nick Cage being Nick Cage. You remember this is the time when Nick Cage was like the next action hero, right? He had um, because this movie originally was budgeted. Weird commentary for you again. Budget for like about sixty-five million, if I'm if I'm correct on that. But when they brought him on, they jumped the budget to 110 million because one, how much Nick Cage costs, and also how many rewrites he put into it. Um, one of which was the helicopter fight scene, uh, which blew a lot of their budget because all CGI. I did not know that either. I really got to get this director's cut. <laughs> it's it. Was, sorry, it's even funnier. It's the fact that the director's cut with the second movie was cheaper than me just buying the movie. Well, now you've just sealed the deal for me, sir. I'm going to have to go buy that movie on Amazon. <laughs> so I, let's sort of change gears in it. The, um, would you guys think, after having re-seen it or seen it for the first time, is this a movie people should pick up and check out? 
Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it, you know, now even so, I mean, again, this is, I go back to the, to the stories that were out here, you know, I mean, you can see the interest as, as I mentioned to Jeremy, the recasting of Ghost Rider, right? I mean, all of these characters, even Blade, even Mashallah Ali going in as the new Blade, all of these characters have been recast and now the breaks are off. Now, instead of it just being standalone movies, you get to see them interact because their worlds all intermingle with each other. So now we get to see what happens when they come across one another in one vast landscape absolutely need to see this movie because again it just gives you not picking up a comic who has time to do that unless you come to goblin night comics pick up one of these uh movies and watch this you'll enjoy the movie i absolutely i i think it's a great thing that they'll say yeah i i would agree actually that this is well worth checking out um on its own even if you have no interest in in reading the comics although i do recommend that as well but if if you have no interest in following the rest of the of the Ghost Rider, it's a good self-contained story that explains who Ghost Rider is. If you saw this and then you saw Ghost Rider show up in Avengers 7, you'd know who it was and you'd know his backstory and you'd have enough information to understand why he does whatever he does for five minutes and then you don't see him again in that movie. Um, I, I am excited to see them put him with other other characters. You mentioned Blade. I think um, what's Sons of Midnight, I think, is the, the group that they're kind of going to kind of combine together with him and Moon Knight and a bunch of other people. That could be really cool. All these kind of like, I don't want to say B-level Marvel heroes, but that's kind of what they are. But I kind of like those stories. I like those more than the, the 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 straight superhero stories at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm very excited to find out that there is a sequel coming out that's going to have uh, the the next iteration of Ghost Rider. It's not Johnny Blaze, uh, it's, but they'll have Johnny Blaze kind of in there as a as a cameo. I think that's awesome, and I think that's uh, in this movie. That's oh, my favorite scene dope. in this movie is when when the caretaker and Ghost Rider kind of head towards the end of the movie and they get to ride together as ghost riders. I, I mean, I was, I actually was like, I had to stop the movie for a minute. I was like, that was awesome. And, and there aren't many superhero <laughs> movies that maybe do that, but that scene itself, I was like, that ruled. It's funny you say that because like I said, I watched this movie with my daughter and she gave it a seven out of 10 and she's not a comic book movie fan. Of course her taste, our avatar was a nine out of 10, but that same scene you just talked about, we rewatched that scene. It was a fantastic scene. It was, they did it well. It was toned down dark enough that you couldn't, the CGI mistakes are really nice. CGI. It was, you know, it was blurred over, if that makes sense. It was, so it was well put together. Agreed. Agreed. And it was funny with the little lizard burning up. It was funny. <laughs> I completely forgot about that part. <laughs> that's kind of when it falls back into that Western, you know, like it locks back in on that right at that moment. It's where it was like, that's perfect. That's exactly the tone I need right now. Um, that whole, in fact, the whole, the whole segment of the movie, this so is the first half, you know, you get, you're introduced to ghost to, to Johnny blaze, then ghost rider. And then he kind of does his first ghost ridery mission, uh, which of course there, there are some things that don't go hundred percent correct. And you know, then it's him trying to deal with, with the real world, seeing this, this giant flaming skull character, you know, tear apart, tear apart a city basically. And, and then he has these scenes where he wakes up and he's dealing with the caretaker who knows a lot about Ghost Rider. And you're not quite sure why. And he's kind of there to help him out, but not necessarily guide him, just kind of to be there to give him some information and kind of give him a place to stay safe, I guess. That that all the scenes with the caretaker, all the scenes where, you know, from that point towards the end, I think that was, you know, sometimes these movies build up really well to explain the character and then it kind of falls apart. Or it's it builds up the character and that's the end of the movie. Like the end of the movie is his first mission where it's Ghost Rider. And then he's like, well, I guess this is my curse to bear. And the movie ends. This actually has some extra, you know, extra character building and, and lore building with those last half of the movie. And and it ends. I, I mean, again, I don't think Blackheart. So I, without giving up the the overall 
uh, you know, ending the movie. Not that it matters. It's, it's ghostwriting. You can go read the summary on Wikipedia. But I don't think Blackheart as a character and even his whole scheme, which is to get this this like ultimate contract that the devil never got that was kind of hidden from him. His only goal then would be to usurp the power of Mephisto. And therefore, other than Ghost Rider and Mephisto, I didn't feel like that was a big threat to the rest of the world. Honestly, if they just gave him the contract and he left, that would be it, right? I mean, I didn't, I don't think it was a, like the, the actual conflict that Ghost Rider is dealing with. It made sense for Ghost Rider to care, but why would the rest of the world care and not just be like, yeah, take the contract, go. I think you're right. Uh, the, um, they didn't really, identify the stakes too well too too well in that movie right um i at one point there was one line that's dropped saying about it'll be the end of the world if he gets this because he's not a true fallen angel and because he's a son of somebody and he gets different he has the same weaknesses so if he has all his power it's terrible it's a throwaway line done by the caretaker um but you're right i think throughout the whole movie it didn't feel like there were any stakes other than the fact that you know he's the bad guy and i gotta take him out you have to admit the CGI on the bad guy was phenomenal. So like without, again, to your point, Jeremy, you can kind of catch this on Wikipedia, but the contract of San Vaganza and the power that, so there, there's this concept in lore um, called Legion and that has a lot of lore. Now that's more where, where Marvel got really deep into the supernatural and, and all the things that went with that. Um, they started looking at things like Legion. There's a whole story now, Avengers forever that dives right in. It's an incredible story about Mephesto and, and trying to go up against him and the God Quarry and the different versions. But it, it, there's a ton of lore around this Legion and that would upset the balance. But at your two, both of your points, they didn't do a good job connecting that dots, except to say it would be super bad really quick. But I thought they did a great That's where the CGI was great. Yeah. That's where the CGI was really excellent um, and really borrowed from movies like The Ring and other movies where they're able to take those type of walk scenes and those things and really add them to make you be like, yeah, it's a great ending to a movie. Well, it's funny you bring up Blackheart. So I know we, we've, we're not really talking about the characters so much anymore, but I do have to bring this up. I do. I, I mentioned before, I watch this movie with my daughter. I like watching a movie with a teenager with me because it, it forces me to not be nostalgic about it because she's just going to be brutally honest and she has no care to the world about this movie when it came to blackheart her first thought when she saw him walk on screen was is that a vampire mm -hmm. <laughs> the way they did his look was it was more like in her mind um the twilight series the way he walked the way he talked his she as she put it he has va vampire eyebrows <laughs> um and the other thing was there's a line you mentioned about legion where he goes um i am legion we are many right but the way he did the pause and he goes, we are many. My daughter fell over laughing and had to leave the room. I kid you not, because it was it was played so Come on. Now, that was a nostalgic thing right there. Maybe that was just me. But yeah, no, my kid is not impressed with stuff like that. <laughs> so it was just funny, the, sort of the different take. Which is why, yet again, I bring a teenager in the room for me, because then my, my sense of nostalgia is completely wiped away in about 10 minutes. So I know I bought the movie. I'm not sure if you guys actually bought it or just watched it on Tubi. But would you watch this again? Absolutely. It's just Nick Cage. I'd watch Face Off again. <laughs> <laughs> again, I think this was a fun single movie, like self-contained movie, single movie. A fun self-contained movie that, you know, after I watched it the first time, wasn't paying a lot of attention. I did watch it that second time so that I could kind of pick up on more of the beats that I might have missed. Uh, to explain a few things that I, I didn't need the explanation. I do follow the current line of comics. I know enough about Ghost Rider now, but it was still, you know, 
I still wanted to make sure I understood how the movie was connecting these dots, you know, and assuming you didn't read a bunch of comics. So uh, I, I watched it a second time, which is very rare, unless I'm doing it for, for the purpose of talking about it. But I, I liked it. I watched it again. Now, I did watch the second movie, and I know maybe someday we'll do that, so I don't want to get too into detail. Uh, I, I don't think the second movie is as as well organized as I think. It's a better... It's probably a better story as far as having the stakes explained, um, but I just don't think it's it. I don't think it's as fun as this movie was. Agreed, agreed, and that's where they that because they went so far to the left on one way, then they went so far to the right on the other, and that, in a nutshell, has explained some of Marvel's initial missteps before they kind of got into their groove. So I, I guess that brings us to the point where we're doing a, the, the Fergal patented thumbs up, half thumbs, down thumbs, or, or whatever it is. What would you guys rate this movie? <laughs> Jeremy, what would you rate it? So I, I got to remember, I think I gave Electra a half thumb, I think yes. is what I had given it. This is easily a three-quarters thumb. Uh, if we're only doing one thumb, it's a three-quarters thumb. I, I definitely liked it. It's not it's not an, a must-see movie. I'm not, you know, if you don't want to see a superhero movie normally, if you're like, I... I don't really like these kind of movies. It's not going to change your mind. But if you do like these kind of movies or just action movies in general, I think this is a fun one to watch. I'm going to go along with that three quarters thumb. I think it's definitely well worth it. I might even break it up to, uh, you know, eight tenths. <laughs> I think it's a great movie. It's fun to watch. Um, it's good for pretty much almost every. It's not too scary. It's colorful enough to feel colorful enough. It's a great movie. Um, carries all the major points, gives you all a good story to watch. And when you walk away from it, you're like, that was a great movie. Let me move on with my life. I think if you're that person, you're going to love the movie. If you're a person that wants to get a little back history and dive in before you might buy a comic book, you like this movie. If you're looking for the new Blade and the new Ghost Rider, you'll definitely want to catch this movie because you'll get to know where it began and where it's going to end. Yeah, and I think we got to stick to at least no more than quarters of thumbs. If we start getting to like an eighty-seven percent thumb, it's going to get a little ridiculous. Um, I got full three quarters. <laughs> then three quarters it is. I, I I can second the three quarters. I enjoy this so much more than Electra, though. I typically enjoy movies with less sort of over the top powers. If that makes sense, like I'm a big Batman fan, right? Um, so, but. So this guy obviously has far more powers than Electra does, but as a movie, definitely a better plot line, definitely a better altogether. And I'm glad I know on the director's cut because um, you guys don't. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I knew that was coming. <laughs> so before we head on out, Jeremy, what are you working on right now? As always, you can find out whatever I've been doing over at Retrovania.net. We do five episodes per month, two on our main feed and three on our patron feed, all about old retro games. And if you like music, uh, I'm in a band, Subtastics. You can find everything Subtastics also at Subtastics.bandcamp.com. Fergal? Well, I also have a thousand things I'm working through, amazingly wonderful. But, um, you know, we just had, like I said, we just had amazing artists at our store today, Lori Kelk. Lori Calcaterra. We are the only shop right now in the state of Michigan offering her independent book, which actually happens to be the award for the um, by Index Comics as one of the most um, up and coming potential artists and writers and creators. Um, so her story is amazing. It's basically Last of Us meets Cocaine Bear. So we have her in. We've got a couple Comic Cons coming up. We're, uh, we, we're we just added a new supplier who does custom resin statues. They are some of the most they would rival Sideshow and they would rival Hot Toys. So I, we've got a lot of great things going on and, and I'm just excited to be a part of it and excited to hang on for the ride and, and work with guys like you. Sweet. And yeah, I am looking forward to that book you brought up because it sounds interesting. I just need to make it through the um, 
last Ronin in the lost year still. I think I'm like a few issues behind on that one. Um, Absolutely. Me, uh, I'm working currently, as I mentioned, we deal with, uh, I build furniture that helps people connect their nerd life to uh, their furniture. I'm building right now a Sandman, sorry, Art Deco inspired, sand, uh, sorry, Sandman inspired wall storage unit. So we're taking Neil Game and Sandman and combining that with a storage system of drawers and cabinets with custom artwork that the client had gotten, you know, they commissioned for that we're going to inlay all that into this, this nice marble, sorry, this nice uh, walnut and uh, maple piece using Art Deco as our inspiration for it all. So looking forward to that getting done. Well, I have to say this has been another fun episode of Movie Smash. So if you like it, please tell your friends. If you don't like it, uh, tell people you don't like, but make sure to tell somebody and we will see you next time with another Movie Smash. Enjoy the show please give us a review and share with your friends if you want to drop us a note tell us where we were wrong or give us a movie suggestion visit us at movie-smash.com